Hey sisters, on today's episode, I'm with a good friend of mine, Michelle. She's an integrative health coach and life coach. We met in our coaching community and she's been a health coach for a while and decided to add this extra layer that has helped so much because we all know that if we don't get to the root of some of the emotional health and the mindset piece, it's kind of hard just to change those outwardly actions, right? But she's here to talk a little bit more about her story with diabetes, working in corporate as a single mom, and just doing whatever it takes to get to the point where she actually reverses her diagnosis of diabetes, and now she is no longer insulin resistant. So this was a great conversation. I hope that you are blessed by it, and we'll talk soon. Hey sister, do you feel stuck? Do you feel like you're living each day over and over on a loop? Maybe you feel like a failure because you keep telling yourself that today will be different. You wake up each morning hoping to do better, but when the afternoon rolls around, all your promises to yourself are shot. And society screams, you deserve to have that drink, eat that piece of cake, and scroll mindlessly through social media. Hi. I'm Michelle Porterfield, certified mindset and breakthrough coach, mom of three, former daily wine drinker, excuse maker, and promise breaker. Coffee's my jam, dry shampoo is my BFF, and I am so glad you're here. I've created this community to help you walk in faith towards freedom from alcohol and other strongholds like it. Together, we will work to show you your value, your strength, and your ability to overcome. So pop in your earbuds and go for a walk or buckle up for your commute. Girl, get ready for straight talk and the truth because it's time to elevate your mindset, develop healthy routines, and begin to thrive alcohol-free. Hey sisters, I'm excited to have a good friend of mine, Michelle Jaslin, with me today on the podcast. Thank you, Michelle, for agreeing to talk with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited too. So I will share, Michelle and I met through our uh, transformational coaching community and it has been really, really cool. I'm sure she would agree, but it has been a huge, um, just like blessing to have all these amazing different types of coaches and different humans and really getting to know them and sharing a time and space with them. And then as I got to know her, I discovered a little bit more about her story and how she can really bring a lot of light to this health series and this conversation. So um, I'm glad that we've connected and then we're friends. And then I want you to share, I'm going to let you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and then we'll get into the conversation. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Michelle. So yes, I'm Michelle Jaslin, and I'm actually a single mom, and I started my career in healthcare. I was actually a leader for healthcare quality and patient safety for 30-some years, and while working in healthcare, I got sick. And so, you know, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story, but just so you know, as a result of that story, and you'll come to, you know, come to that understanding, I ended up becoming a health coach. So I'm an integrative health coach, and I'm also a life coach now, and I love it. And um, and again, as Michelle said, that's kind of how we met. So my story really started when I was diagnosed with uh, diabetes when I was 40 years old, and I was under a lot of stress right then. You know, I had a, a big responsibility in the career that I had and I went to the doctor and I remember at first I was diagnosed with pre-diabetes 
But that didn't last very long because I didn't understand that when you have prediabetes, it's reversible. So that if you do the right thing when you have prediabetes, you can prevent ever having diabetes. Nobody told me that. So this was the first thing that I should have known and didn't know because nobody ever told me that. And this became a pattern in my journey. So I eventually got diabetes and I became frightened of it. So what do most people do when they don't know what to do and the doctor doesn't really give them really great information? I started to try every sad diet and, you know, I'm not going to name the different ones, sure. but, you know, I've gone on the ones where I was eating almost all fat and, you know, not a lot of carbohydrates and that worked for me. I lost 50 pounds. Um, my labs seemed to be okay, but it was not sustainable for me at all. And when I went to health coaching school, interestingly enough, the leaders who created that program were one of our um, teachers. And they actually said that when the program first came out, it wasn't right. And that it became a problem for them because people were not doing it in phases. They were just staying with what they thought they should do for the rest of their life. And it can become very unhealthy for you. So. I went from that to drinking protein diets, you know, just plain like liquid protein, um, pretty much everything, low carb, high fat, whatever it was. But what I learned about going through that is I would have temporary success. Like it wasn't a lifestyle, it was a diet. And what I came to realize is people believe and that they should be dieting. And so they, they make this decision or this commitment to themselves to go on a diet. And then in that process, they may, whatever they're trying to conquer, whether it's weight or maybe they have diabetes, whatever it is. Um, and then they, they get their result and then they go back to the way they were. Mm. And that is not a lifestyle. A lifestyle is more of a commitment to how you want to live your life. and to be mindful of the choices that you make in life. And it's not about denial. It's not about deprivation. And I had been doing that for almost 10 years. And I got to the point in my career where um, I had developed another diagnosis, which was I had Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And as a result of that, I had to have partial thyroidectomy and all of a sudden, the doctor who was taking care of my diabetes was more concerned about my thyroid than my blood sugars. So he sort of like let it go. He, you know, okay, she's a little stable. So he just kept, every time I'd go there, it was my thyroid, my thyroid. And all of a sudden, it was like, because he wasn't monitoring me and being accountable anymore, I just went off the wagon, if you want to talk about it. And the next thing I know, I'm really sick. I'm now 50 years old. I'm taking care of my grandfather in a nursing home. I'm working a corporate job and I'm under a lot of stress and I can barely stay awake. I would be in my house and I didn't know this at the time, but when you have diabetes and your body and you're not eating the right foods, your food isn't getting the energy that it needs. Your body isn't getting the energy it needs. 
So you're going to be constantly hungry because when you're not eating foods that have nourishment in them, then your body thinks you're not fed. It doesn't matter how many calories you eat. So I was constantly hungry, eating a lot of the wrong foods. And because of that, my body was just tired and I felt like I had been drugged. So at that point, I had to call like an SOS and my parents, you know, lived a couple hours away. And I basically said, I need someone to rescue me. I need to go help myself. At that point, I went to the doctors, they did labs on me. And sure enough, I was in really bad situation. I had high blood pressure, high cholesterol. I was 242 pounds and my diabetes at that point was almost at the hemoglobin A1C, um, which is a measure um, that really shows the damage that's being done to your proteins in your body. Um, it was at like one, a really high level, like 10. And they told me it had started to affect my kidneys. Wow. So... Yeah. Yes, go ahead. So let's time out for just a second. So thank you for sharing that because I have seen other people go through something similar. Um, and I, and I do today and I want to know, cause I mean, we jumped, we went from age 40 to 50, like there, this was a long time. There were different things you tried. Clearly you were seeing a doctor, you know, we're not talking about a conversation around someone that just doesn't care and doesn't go to the doctor, but just like an interview I just had, you know, there's just, there's a bit of a breakdown when we just go and say, Hey, here's a problem. Then let's, let's manage the symptoms. And we really don't deal with obviously the root of the issue or to me and my view now, and us as coaches, more of the heart, the mind and the emotional part of that issue as well. Yes. But, what did they tell you when you had pre-diabetes? Because I bet there's a lot of people who've heard that term. Like, yes. what did they tell you versus what now, from your perspective, what, what could you do at this point? Right. Well, they told me very little. It was really about, you know, eating less white foods. All the way up until when I was 50 and I just said I got sick. Oh. My endocrinologist, all he said, oh, don't eat a lot of white foods. Don't eat the bread, the bagels, you know, eat less potatoes. But they didn't really give me good education. And I didn't, until I went back to health coaching school, I did not know that only 5% of medical schools require doctors to take one course in nutrition. So when they're students. So they really don't understand how food affects your body positively or negatively. We had a teacher in our class who was an OBGYN and said, ah, I have women that come in all the time and they're in there to see me for, you know, pap smear or whatever. And they'll say, you know, I'm really not loving my body right now. I, I want to lose weight. What can I do? And she said, I don't know what to tell them. She's like, so the only thing I can think of is Weight Watchers. And she said, if I knew, you know, there were coaches out there like all of you, I would have at least, you know, um, got them help. And so what I realized being in that healthcare profession for all those years is there is a huge gap because doctors diagnose and prescribe, but they don't have all of the education they need to really give you good guidance. And a lot of, at the time, a lot of organizations, even companies that you work for, you know, the nutrition education wasn't covered. So you'd have to pay it out of your own pocket. I know that there are more organizations doing that now where you have wellness programs and things like that. 
But for me, the, the, that was my problem. What I learned is the reason that I had struggled with weight and diabetes for all them years is because nobody ever gave me the right guidance. Mm. So even when, and this is really important too, because I was a smart woman. So I started reading books. I even went to a different OB doc, doctor and he was telling me all kinds of different things than my other diabetic doctor did. And I thought, whoa. So I started reading books and there was so much controversial and contradicting information in these books that at that point I decided to get a coach. I was just like, and to your point, Michelle, what I realized in that is I ended up spending more time talking to her about my emotion <laughs> and mindset than I ever did the food. Yeah. Um, yes, she coached me through that, but it's not always about the food first. It's about our mindset around food, you know, and feeling this like we're losing something when we eat healthy and not understanding it can actually be a beautiful thing. And even for me with my diabetes, I was struggling with certain foods that were my favorites, like pizza. I'm like, oh, my blood sugars are just going up and I don't think I can live the rest of my life without pizza. You're going to teach me how to eat it. That's what I told my coach. Yeah. It did. Um, you know, and it doesn't mean that what works for me works for everybody because all of our bodies are different. But I think to your point, it's important for people to understand that we have to be our own advocate. I had a client that left me and she was successful. And she had been diagnosed with prediabetes. And that's why she came to me. And she said, you know, Michelle, when I... And I think it may be different now, but I'm not sure. When you're pre-diabetic and not diagnosed with diabetes, for her, she wasn't even given the opportunity to test her blood sugars because she hadn't been diagnosed with diabetes yet. So she couldn't test and see where she was, like making these changes in her life. It was just a guesstimate. And then once a year, she'd go back and find out her it was still not good. So that's why she ended up coming to me. And... I want people to understand two things is that you should ask questions. And if you can't get your questions answered correctly, like if they, if a doctor is just telling you what not to eat, but cannot tell you what to eat. And also knowing that if you do, or you are diagnosed pre-diabetics, foods that may not have liked my body might like yours. There is tons of research that is out there that shows that there can be a food for some people that will just create havoc with their blood sugars. And for other people, it does nothing and vice versa for other things. So when you're diagnosed, it really is critical to measure your blood sugars eating all kinds of different foods to see yeah. so what... Yeah, I was going to say, because I want you to take me back, because what I heard was like a rock bottom moment. Like I heard the moment on the couch. Yes. I'm feeling miserable, sluggish. And I feel like that can relate to a lot of our listeners too of, you know, we're going to get to a place where we realize like, okay, enough's enough. And it could be both. I mean, I'm sure that there's plenty of listeners that are struggling with, you know, blood sugars and, you know, health issues and over drinking. But I think it's the same thing as when we have to like, it's that moment of like surrender of like, I need help. 
I know that I'm the one that has to like step up and take the action. So I want to hear, I've heard part of this before, like all your research that you did Um, and just kind of like, okay, so from that moment, how did you learn so much and that that get obviously led you to do what you're doing today? Well, I have to tell you the very first thing that I did and I tell people this, it was the first time in my life when I hit rock bottom that my first thought was not, I need to go on a diet. My first thought was I need to love me. I need to take care of me and everybody else that I'm doing everything for and I'm people pleasing. I'm not going to do that anymore. And I started telling everybody, I'm sorry, my time, like I learned that I needed to figure this out on my own and to take care of me. And that is when the emotional piece came because the people that are around you, and this is really important, really important. When you change your lifestyle and the people, especially if you have a family and you're living with them and they're not ready to change, that support that you need is I make, I ask everybody three questions, like you need three different people in your life. Who's going to want to hear about all your success? Who's going to really be happy when you're talking about new foods that you love and all of this instead of changing the conversation? Who's going to be there for you, cheering you on, just cheering you on and and telling you how great you look and all of that instead of making fun of your new lifestyle and the fact that you don't want to sit around the table and gossip or whatever and you're out there at the gym or you're doing something for yourself differently and so i lost a lot of friends i created family members who criticized me and said you were more fun before and i thought really because i'm going out having a ball like i feel so much better and i'm out going to concerts and They were judging my healthy lifestyle. So we can't use as an excuse, if other people don't want to live like us, it's really hard when you have a family and you're cooking for other people, but you can't use that as an excuse for not loving yourself and doing what's right for you. You know, I've heard women say that exact same few sentences and just drop it in the context of, drinking they feel the same way you know the struggle because there's a partner at home or the struggle because they have been told you're no fun anymore in this pressure and same thing i've lost relationships too um and i've i've talked about that that we have seasons in our lives and there are times and seasons with friends and relationships and that's okay too but it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows was it what, no. you're saying, what you're saying is there's some resistance when you start to make these choices. There's a huge amount of resistance. And that is why when I had the coach, it was so important for me because there were times I had plateaus. You know, it wasn't all easy for me um, on this journey. And there were still times when my blood sugars were high. As a matter of fact, I got worse before I got better. Like. I was doing everything I was supposed to do, but my body was so out of whack that my, they had to put me on a third medicine. So I want people to realize that sometimes, you know, when doctors prescribe us medicines, they are not to combat diabetes. That's not it. It's never going to make the disease go away. Medicines are there to help control your blood sugar levels, to prevent you from having more complications. 
right? There is only one way to get to a point where I was able to change my life and actually reverse my insulin resistance. I, I am not truly a diabetic anymore. I was able to fix my body and nobody ever told me that either. And so what that requires is lifestyle change. If we really want to heal our body, not just say, okay, well, this is managing my blood sugars. As long as I keep them in check here, I'm not going to get sicker. But that's not true because eventually these medicines don't always keep working for you, especially if you're diabetic. And then over time, you go on insulin. And I just saw that in one of my friends. And so you have a choice to risk your life knowing that if you keep that disease, that over time, it's not going to get better unless you're doing something about it other than taking pills. So I became a walker. And again, I resisted that with my health coach. You just need to know I was not a good <laughs> client, you know, about six months into our journey. And I was managing hospitals. And I want to say this so that you know there's no excuse. I was a single mom with a commute every day, going into a different state. My drive was an hour there going and almost two hours coming home. So three hours in commute. I was sick, tired exhausted already because I was still unhealthy going through this journey and she told me she wanted me to walk at least 10 minutes and I balked at that I don't have any time I'm managing 20 hospitals from Maine to Florida and she you know pushed back and said Michelle you don't have 10 minutes like at your lunch break or whatever and that is how my journey started it wasn't a big leap it was a small step and, I, and here is what helped me. It was spring, and I love music. So I started putting earbuds in my ears, just walking outside for 10 minutes. And I could barely breathe, by the way. I couldn't walk up steps without getting short of breath. I was in bad shape. But I did it, and I pushed through. And then after I pushed through, my resilience in my breathing was getting a little better. So I went up to 15 minutes and then I was realizing how much I loved the music and going outside. I'm like, yeah, you know? So I will tell you six months later, I was walking four to five miles every week. I mean, four to five miles, five times a week. Wow. And it got to the point where I was enjoying nature and enjoying the music so much, it was like, wow, I was such a stressed out person. And I remember thinking when I worked in that corporate world, if my, if the people, my leader comes up and tells me now that I'm not allowed to take a break to go eat my lunch or whatever I needed to do for me, I'm leaving. That's how much I loved myself. Mm. Like this is for me. And they never did that. I think we get that crap in our head. We do it to ourselves. We punish ourselves by not taking that break. And I remember the top leader, he was the HR leader across the whole health system. He came up to me one day and said, Michelle, you look healthy. He said, I was, he was afraid about what to say, you know, and long story short, he ended up inviting me to speak in front of the entire like corporation, you know, that was across all these states on a video about my journey because I had used some of their benefits. 
like when I went to the gym, I was able to clock in how many times I went. And if I went so many times a week, I got reimbursed. Right. So I was doing them a favor by sharing that, but it also was, um, it was the opposite of what I thought. I thought that I was, you know, oh, they expect all of this thing out of me as a leader, but I was saving them money. <laughs> you know, they weren't paying for all these pills I was taking anymore. So what I learned when I went back um, to, you know, not dieting anymore, and I will tell you this, this is one of the things that I learned. And, you know, for people who aren't really aware of this with diabetes, our, you know, part of what causes this is that the food that we eat is turned into glucose and glucose is supposed to be transformed into the cells of our body to give us energy. But when we eat too much, especially sugars, our body doesn't need it. And it says, oh, that's too much. We're going to save it for later. And it little, literally will usually either let it go through your bloodstream or it will store it in a part of your body that becomes, eventually becomes fat. And I'll tell you why. Because if you do that once in a while, it's okay. So say you eat a little bit more than you're supposed to and then you haven't had a snack and a few hours later, your body is, it, it thinks you're starving it. So it will go into that fuel base and it'll start burning it. But here's what we mostly do. We eat, overeat, and then we never give our body a chance to burn that off. Because before it gets a chance to use that stored energy, we are adding more food into us. We're adding more carbohydrates into our body. And now it's just accumulating, and this is where we start to create this insulin resistance. And our, our insulin isn't working correctly anymore. And as a result of that, <clears throat> um, over time, it gets weaker and weaker and weaker. And that's what causes diabetes because your body is pushing out more insulin thinking, why isn't it putting this in the cells? Why isn't it doing its job? And it's like, well, the cells don't need it and it's not working properly. So now you've got too much insulin coming into your bloodstream and it's not doing anything but hurting you at this point. And that is what changed my kidneys because it starts to change, send fat to your kidneys and then the kidneys start to have to work too hard. Yeah. Yeah. All these and so it's, I started to eat smaller amounts, but I will tell you, I never, I went to every party and had cake. I was, at, I was and for people who may not understand that the levels of a hemoglobin A1C, but I was almost at a 10. That's high. And when I, when I first started, I didn't, you know, eat that right away. But within a couple of months, if I went to a party, I would eat a very small piece of cake, but I'd forgo the ice cream and the chips and all of that. So I never deprived myself. It was whatever I really wanted to have, I would have a little bit of that. And then if, like, you know, when my brother lived with me after I got healthy, he'd bring in a donut, he'd bring in a dozen donuts, he was living with me. And I would take that donut and split it into four little pieces. And I would eat one little piece. And then about two hours later, <laughs> I would eat the other little piece. And I know a lot of people wouldn't live like the way, but if you really want me to know how I reversed my insulin resistance, it was because I wasn't allowing my body 
my body to consume excess sugar all at one time. I was allowing my body to heal and to do what it was supposed to do and to run correctly. It wasn't the pills, even though I was still on pills and they would, what would happen is I get off one pill and then I got off the next pill. And then the very last day when I had met all my goals, even my weight loss goal, I shed 115 pounds. That day I had was, he said, you're off all pills. Wow. Well, and I love, I love the whole story, like the whole journey and all the different things. And some of the main things that I even picked up on as, as part of it, which goes along with any major life change is just, you know, coming to the place to the end of yourself saying, Hey, I've got to do something. I need help, love and compassion towards ourselves, setting boundaries around relationships yes. in our time you know, going into educating ourselves, understanding like you ha you decided, you know what, I because we just expect, and I, I hope that the women listening are, are to this place now, like stop allowing people to tell you exactly what you need to do for your life and your body. Like you've got to do the research and you've got to educate yourself and go, wait a minute, this this food does this to me this makes me feel this way this is how sluggish i feel like even i've shared this recently like i'm getting even more aware of certain foods in just my level of awareness now of like when i eat things because i really like to feel good and i like to have energy and it's important that i you know i'm the one that pretty much controls that you know, by what I'm putting in my mouth. And I know now certain foods make me feel sluggish or fatigued. Not that I won't ever have them if they're like super yummy, but I'll plan for it. I'm not right. going to just allow that just to happen. And you're then being, yes. you're being conscious and you're, that is really important. I'm glad you brought that up because I actually provide some of my clients with a food and mood journal and I'll have them log after, before, during, and after they eat, how do they feel? And that is how they begin to learn what foods love their body and serve them well and what doesn't. And it really impacts our mood. And one of the other things that's really key is when you're eating fruits, which are healthy, but they also have, you know, sugar in them, it's always better to pair them with some kind of healthy fat or protein. So even when I was on my journey, I would take a very small banana for my midday snack. And I put a tablespoon of natural peanut butter on top, not with the sugars in it and all these chemicals, the natural peanut butter, just a tablespoon. And what that did is it was almost like wrapping cellophane around it so that when your body was taking in that sweet banana, it, the blood sugar didn't rise fast. It allowed it to um, go into your system a little bit slower. The other thing, another tip I can give you that's really important is there's a reason that people don't want us to eat a lot of added sugar, even like if we're having a banana or something like that, because that is fructose. It's a type of sugar that's in fruit and in like vegetables, like corn, like root vegetables, like corn and beets and things like that. But when they add glucose to it, another say you're eating a food that is a cereal. If you're eating them together, that glucose makes the fructose go higher and it actually 
can hurt your body. So it's not good to eat sometimes two carbs like that together. You know, um, one that's a natural fruit and then the other one that is, you know, a boxed whatever, <laughs> you know, some kind of meat. So, and that is not something that I knew for a long time. And it makes perfect sense that it can actually hurt, make a healthy thing like fruit actually go do have things in your body just by pairing it with something like those added sugars. Yeah. And I love how you share, cause I'm thinking, you know, somebody could be thinking, wow, that's just a lot of, a lot of figuring out and a lot of trial and error. And I'm busy. I love the part where you shared, let's not make excuses because a lot of us do that. Like, Oh, I'm too busy or I work too much or I'm taking care of my grandkids. And I love how you started there to just go ahead and say, listen, um, I was busy. I was highly obligated and I really didn't like doing it, but I did it because I knew this was going to get me here. And now the reason why you do what you do and you can talk so freely is because this time has gone by and you put time in. So like when you're, when you're dealing with a woman who is coming to you in that place of, you know, I've been to the doctor, I have diabetes, I'm overweight, I'm fatigued, I'm miserable, I'm tired. I have the understanding now that I don't want this because I think we don't know that there is an option because like you said, the doctors, it's not like they're trying to hide it. They're just doing their job. Right. And, and that's why we have to explore. Cause I can say like my husband has diabetes, mm -hmm. he's taking medicine. And I will say though, his doctor said, listen, I'm prescribing this to manage your blood sugar. If you want to change, you have to find a nutritionist or someone to teach you because that's what you've got to do. He said, he said, I don't do that. So I appreciated that honesty. So, but I'm a big fan of coaches because I feel like there's very clear strategy moving forward, life change. So what would you do with a woman who comes up and that's where she's at? Like, where would you start? I first again, I, I try to understand where they're coming from and their relationship around food a little bit so that I understand their psychological piece around it. Um, because there could be, you know, people who are, you know, have it, um, that their belief system holds them back from things. But I think the key thing is to try to make it simple for them at first. Because I think if people think they have to give up a lot right away, they're going to like, and I don't want to do that. That's why I say I don't believe in dieting. And what I do is I really help them understand the importance of looking at ingredients. You know, and you can make it as simple as if you, if you pick up a box and the ingredients are like 50 ingredients and you can't make sense of them, then they don't make sense for your body. Yeah. That's easy. Usually if you have something with five or less ingredients, most of the time those foods are healthier for you or when you think about going around the produce stand outside of that there are no food labels on fruit right <laughs> there's so that so but getting back to your question is i do have to give them based on what they know about food a little bit of education and i actually put them through um, a little bit of an assessment so that they understand like, for instance, if they're in a culture, like I came from an Italian family, and some people will feel like, oh, well, I have to give up pasta, right? 
the truth of the matter is every one of us have a different blood type and every one of us crave different foods based on our culture. And to take that away from somebody is not healthy. Mm -mm. And that it is okay as long as they learn to eat in portions, right? So yes, I still eat pasta, but instead of having the, the main plate, this big plate of pasta, what I'll teach them is, you know, maybe one and a half to two cups, the most one and a half, you know, have a salad on the side, like some meat, like some protein, whatever it is. So what I try to do is get them to see they don't have to give up the foods they love. It's about creating this, I don't like to call it, you can call it balance, but it really is sort of like you need, you can't just all eat carbohydrates. You have to have some proteins in your body because these are all things that do different things for your body. So I don't go into all the details of having to explain all that to them, but just getting them to understand that when we're eating just foods that are starchy, you know, or, you know, like fruits and all that, we're not getting in the other nutrients that our body needs. And so we'll constantly be hungry. Mm. And so I do have to educate them, but I, you know, in asking the questions, I think that's really critical because people have different beliefs about their ability to change, yeah. right? So without addressing and getting rid of those limiting beliefs about what's possible for them, you know, I've had a client who has gone through a lot of trauma in their life. And um, as a result of that, created diseases in her body that have caused pain like fibromyalgia because um, that can be connected um, with trauma. And as a result of that, the pain is an excuse for holding back, but the pain is never going to go away with the amount of um, weight that she's carrying on her body. Yeah. So it's, it, there's sometimes there is an emotional piece to that as a coach that needs to be addressed first before we even get into changing life. If it's a critical thing where their diabetes is up really high, then yes, we need to change some of the really sugary foods right away. But at the same time, we need to be dealing with the emotions around them. Yeah. It was just a part of a conversation I had had recently to where we have to give ourselves grace and learn to forgive ourselves from any even past behaviors yeah. to, to remove the shame and guilt so that we can make these new choices. Cause if not, it's probably very short lived. We're going to be going through the motions or like you said, if we truly have a, a which you know, and I, our terms, or we have a limiting belief that's kind of running on, you know, this mixtape in the back of our mind, and yet we're trying to make these outwardly changes. And when then we beat ourselves up, like, why can't I just do this? It's because we haven't really recognized that there's this belief there. So this is the part of, you know, the coaching I know that you and I both love, and that I'm, I think is awesome how you have gone from, you know, the health coaching and layer this onto it, because I'm sure that makes you even more, you know, valuable to your clients because we know that that's that's the thing it's not about just stopping something or doing something new it's just so much deeper than that and you know i you know i did a lot of programs and it's you know for some people you know maybe some people that are younger and just have a few pounds to lose and they don't have diabetes yet 
you know, but maybe, you know, they're feeling sluggish and, you know, maybe they've got a pre-diagnosis or whatever, you know, maybe doing a short program and, you know, and then, oh, I can stick to this or whatever. But there's very few people that can do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I don't deny those people. I will help them in that way if they just, just tell me what to do. But me telling them what to do isn't going to teach them how to live. You know, that's a short period because they're trying to lose weight or something because they're not even seeing the diabetes as much as a product, product problem. They're seeing the fact that the weight is causing it. So they're focused on not the health. Right. They're focused on the image. And it really is about health in our body because the diabetes is a, um, a disease that affects all of our organs, including our eyes, our nerve, nerve system all of that. Um, so yeah, I, the other thing with, with my clients, I think, um, that having this new layer as a different coach is important is I found pretty quickly that almost everybody that came in to me, cause I, I am an expert in, you know, that's my expertise is in the weight loss area of that. At least with it by, with two months of working with them, I realized there was some huge traumatic experience in their life even if it wasn't with them it was one of their children or this profound limiting belief they had because of something their parents said to them like you know you're you know you're a failure you know whatever it is and so they had this belief that they would be a failure in whatever they did and i even had a woman come to me who had worked with another coach who kept telling her that she had to, you know, burn so many calories every day. And when she couldn't do it, it, it really confirmed her belief that she was a failure. Yeah. 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 So it, it's, it's more than just the diabetes and, and the food. It's truly about, as you said, taking responsibility for doing our own research into, you know, getting help if we need it to get, to overcome those limiting beliefs. Yes. Yes. I love it. Well, I've enjoyed this conversation. I know we could talk forever and ever about all kinds of things and um, I'll probably have you on again for sure, but tell our listeners what's the best place they can find you if they want to come learn more. That would be on my website. Um, and it is make healthy fit. It's the name of my business and it's the name of my website. Make healthy fit. I love that. Awesome, Michelle. Well, thank you. And I appreciate your um, expertise and your insight today. I think it's really going to bless um, the ladies listening. So thank you. And thank you all. And um, thank you, Michelle. Okay, girlfriend, before you go, if you found value in this podcast and it helped you, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. Every so often, I will read reviews and give shout outs. To dig deeper, join us at Set Free Sisterhood over on Facebook. I will pop the link in the show notes. And don't forget, if you know someone that would enjoy or benefit from this podcast, share it with them and take a screenshot and post it in your Instagram stories and tag me. It's time to take back our power, ladies, and be set free. Until next time, stay blessed. Michelle.